amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with your host, Hank Hanegraaff. The Bible Answer Man is the radio ministry of the Christian Research Institute, designed to equip believers to defend their faith and become true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ because life and truth matter. Our phone number is 888-7000-CRI. You can find us on the internet at equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now to begin today's broadcast, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you much, Randy. A lot of you are hanging on. We'll go right to the phone lines. First up, is William. He's listening in Memphis, Tennessee. Hi, William. Thank you so very much, Hank, for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, it would seem to me that you are a stickler for um, words and their, their depth of their meaning and even maybe their origins. And that brings me to the name Jesus. Now, I'm not Muslim. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm Baptist. Um, uh, but, you know, just, just living a life, you come across these questions of, the name Jesus ended before Jesus was was before Mary was told to name him Jesus. Was it in the English language the word Jesus and it meant King, Messiah, Savior, or something? Um, where exactly did the name Jesus? I know it's two syllables. Come from? Well, it actually comes from a Hebrew word, and that Hebrew word you find in a permutation in the Old Testament. Joshua, the Hebrew. Yahushua, or Yeshua, which means Yahweh is salvation, or God is salvation. So the Hebrew name given to Jesus, the child conceived by the Holy Spirit and born to the Virgin Mary, was the name Yeshua. And the English version of that is Jesus Christ. So, no, this wasn't an English word. Where did the English part, was that already in existence? Because the Yeshua, I'm, I'm familiar with. It's like Abraham. They didn't change his name. Yeshua was a name. Did the name Jesus already exist in the English language? No, it did not. So they just came up with it out of the blue? Well, not out of the blue. I mean, we come up with translations from one language into the receptor language. So when a language becomes 
in vogue when people start to use a particular language, when a language is constructed, then there's always a translation process that takes place. I'm Dutch. I wasn't born in the U.S., so we have a word for Jesus, but that word is a different word. It is Jesus. And so there are different words that are used, but the real issue, of course, is never the word. The real issue, and I think this is, ought to be dominant in your thinking, is the meaning that you pour into the word. For example, Allah, if you are a Palestinian Christian, refers to the God of the Bible. But if you're a Muslim, you're pouring a completely different meaning into the word. So as a Christian, Allah would be the one God revealed in three persons who are eternally distinct. A Muslim would say that is an abomination. In fact, to suggest such a thing is the unforgivable sin of shirk. I want to go back to the phone lines. We'll talk next to Sarah. She's listening in Battlefield, Missouri. Hi, Sarah. Oh, hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm so sorry. I wasn't expecting to come on there so soon. <laughs> Um, I am good. How are you? I'm doing well, and it's wonderful to talk to you. It's wonderful to talk to you. You really inspired me and my husband. Um, we're n- not new believers, but new in our walk, and you really inspired us to read our Bibles more and learn more about God every day. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. Um, my question was, a friend of ours had brought it up this morning, um, in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, God says, um, let there be light, and then he says it was good. Um, and then later on he goes to say um, four di- on the fourth day that he made the moon and the sun and the stars. Um, I don't know if I'm reading it wrong or if he's reading it wrong, but what I'm trying to understand is what does he mean in the beginning when he says, let there be light? Yeah, well, remember that what we have in the seven days of creation is a hierarchy of creation that culminates in the crowning jewels of God's creation, humankind. And the way in which Moses gives us that information corresponds to our seven-day week. And that is so we can remember God's creative prowess every single day. So what Moses does is he attaches this hierarchy of creation to the seven days of the week. And this becomes a way of remembering that God created everything. So if you look at the first three days, just as the next three days, what you'll find dependent to them is there was morning and evening. So what you have is solar days being communicated in the biblical text. So the idea is not that, wow, we had light in the first three days, and now the sun, moon, and the stars. So where did the other light come from? No, the whole idea here is not to give you a chronology, but a way of remembering God's creative prowess. Yes, God separated light from dark. God separated the water above from the water below. God created the dry land. God created the fish and the fowl, and so forth. So the idea is so we might remember. And that's what Moses does when he writes. He writes in such a way that God's people, the followers of Yahweh, can remember. He wants 
us to impress this knowledge on our children, write it on our doorposts, on our gates, on our foreheads, as it were, make it part and parcel of who we are. So, for example, he takes all of Genesis and divides it in such a way that there are 10 major themes and we can remember them with our 10 fingers. Remember that the Bible was given in an oral culture. And therefore, written repositories were not primary. What was primary is to pass the information down from one person to another. We want to remember the information, and to do that, of course, the writers and the teachers and the prophets, they gave the information in memorable format. Oh, okay. So when he said, let there be light, it could have been like the sun or the moon. Sure. Yeah, yeah. the days of Genesis are rendered literal solar days. Again, not to establish a chronology of creation, but to remember the purposes of God in creation. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Thank you. You got it. Thank you so much for calling. I wrote about this in my book, The Creation Answer Book, which is also available through the Ministry of the Christian Research Institute. You can check it out on the World Wide Web at Equip.org. Back to the phone lines. We'll talk next to Corey in St. Louis, Missouri. Hi, Corey. Hey, Hank. Uh, I've been uh, listening to you for a little bit, and uh, I really do appreciate your, your whole broadcast, and, and you definitely have helped me on my journey. And uh, So I want to thank you on that. But you got to uh, thank you. Basically, my question was, is, you know, I'm, I'm in my uh, late 20s and, and still a student, and I'm starting to notice a little bit, and I'm not trying to take away from technology because technology does do a lot of good in our life. Um, but, you know, I just see that sometimes we allow ourselves to be making idols out of things that have really taken us away from the Word. And I just mean by as far as technology and as far as, you know, devoting all our times to buying new iPhones and iPads and and all that, and I can't say that at one point in time in my life I wasn't there. But I kind of want to get your opinion. What do you feel about the whole transhumanism that is coming about, you know, in the few generations to come? Well, you know, it's interesting that you asked that question. There's actually an article that we ran in the Christian Research Journal that's titled Between Radical Freedom and Total Determinism, a Christian View of Human Nature that deals with this whole issue of technology. It takes a paragraph from a humanist manifesto to, which was forwarded in 1973, and reflects the view of human freedom characteristics of the movement, which says using technology wisely, we can control our environment, conquer poverty, markedly reduce disease, extend our lifespan, significantly modify our behavior, alter the course of human evolution and cultural development, unlock vast new powers, and provide humankind with unparalleled opportunity for achieving an abundant and meaningful life. So there's sort of a utopian idea of technology. It can solve all problems, and therefore it can become our new God. And I think you're alluding to that. So technology, on the one hand, can be used as a tool, and in that sense, a furtherance of the gospel, a way of meaningful use of technology for the right purpose, or it can be used in an altogether humanistic way. 
And when it is, of course, it counters the purposes of God as opposed to furthering the purposes of God. So I think this point you're making is a good point on the one hand, and the article in the journal, I think, is extraordinarily helpful to thinking through the issue very much as you just posited. We're going to have to leave it at that because we are coming up to a station break. We'll be right back in just a few moments with more answers to your questions. You thought only religions have dogmas? Think again. Because wokeism has its dogmas, and these dogmas demand obedience, not merely consent. Obey or be canceled. No dissent allowed. The problem is that woke dogmas are a path straight to civilization hell. Because the dogmas of this social disease are so deadly, we've tackled them head-on in an upcoming special edition of the Christian Research Journal. The fact that even historically sane institutions are daily falling victim to this pan-dementia demonstrates how deceptively dangerous this mental cancer actually is. To receive your copy of the special woke edition of the Christian Research Journal, visit equip.org. That's equip.org. Or call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI. Stay with us. Hank Hanegraaff will be back with more right after this. The complete Bible answer book, Collector's Edition, revised and updated, is a comprehensive collection of the most often asked as well as most difficult questions Hank Hanegraaff has received in nearly three decades of hosting the Bible Answer Man broadcast. This expanded edition contains new entries, leading readers to a better understanding of God and our relationship to Him in Jesus Christ. The complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition revised and updated is a comprehensive, handy, and attractive volume that you will return to again and again. Take your exploration of God's Word to new heights and receive the revised and updated Complete Bible Answer Book as our thank you for your gift by calling 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI or visit equip.org. The number of wolves surrounding the Christian flock is growing, and they relish nothing more than docile sheep utterly incapable of defending themselves. From militant secularists at home to militant Islamists abroad, the assaults on biblical Christianity are growing dangerously. But Christian Research Institute support team members aren't in favor of feeding these wolves. Instead, each day they're making possible an array of outreaches that defang these wolf packs with solid arguments and evidence that have stood the test of time. What's more, support team members are equipping themselves with CRI's Equipping Essentials, a hand-picked collection of the best apologetics tools around. Your selection of resources are just our way of saying thanks. To learn more about the benefits of membership, simply visit equip.org. Once again, that's equip.org. If you thought the pandemic was scary, it may actually pale in comparison to today's pandementia. We're talking about wokeism and its growing legions of followers who have defiantly and dangerously declared their independence from reality. That's right, for those infected by the woke virus, Anytime their ideology encounters reality, ideology wins. 
To help halt the advance of this deadly social and mental disease, you'll want a copy of the special edition of the Christian Research Journal. In it, you'll feast on penetrating analyses and criticisms of one of the most dangerous ideologies in modern history, all written to help you grasp just how deranged this tyrannical movement actually is. To receive your copy, visit Equip.org, that's Equip.org, or call 888-7000-CRI, that's 888-7000-CRI. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. And thank you, Randy. We're going to go back to our phone callers. Next up is Susan in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, listening on WCRV. Hi, Susan. Hello. Hi. <laughs> this is exciting. When I was 19 years old, I was saved and baptized, but never carried that along through my life, and I'm 36 now. Mm-hmm. So I, I just feel kind of like I'm lost. Yeah. You know, the problem with contemporary Christianity is that a vast majority of Christians have never made the transition from declaration to discipleship. And you kind of allude to that in the prologue to your question. It's one thing to say, I receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of my life, but it's another thing to recognize that we weren't called to be converts. We were called to be disciples, and a disciple is a learner or a follower of Jesus Christ. So to become Christ-like, we have to imitate those very practices that Christ he modeled for us during his earthly sojourn. So again, I think that operative phrase is to make the transition from declaration to say, I believe, to discipleship where you embrace all the means of grace by which you can grow in the richness of your profession, in which you can become a disciple. And that involves becoming a vital reproducing member of a healthy, well-balanced church in addition to reading the Bible and praying. And it involves learning to share your faith. One of the greatest things that happens when you're prepared to share your faith is it renews your own passion for the Lord and your closeness to the Lord. I can honestly tell you there are seldom times where I feel closer to the Lord than after I have shared the gospel with someone. It's as though you can feel the Holy Spirit in a visceral sense. It is as though you can tangibly feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And at those moments, it's as though you can jump a tall building in a single leap because you're sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit and sensing the fact that you're a tool in the hands of the Holy Spirit. The bottom line here, though, is partaking of the means of grace and the means by which you can grow as a disciple of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I lay all of this out, by the way, in a book called The Covering, God's Plan to Protect You from Evil. Okay. All right. And I'm ashamed to say, when I read the Bible, I just don't understand it. Is there something that I can get that will put it in simpler terms for me? Well, I think there's something that will do perhaps even more for you, and that is I have two resources. One is a flip chart. That flip chart is called Lights on Your Path to Reading the Bible for All It's Worth, and what it does is it gives you the principles by which you can read the Bible for all it's worth, and it teaches you how to use them. There's another resource that I have which would be maybe even more valuable. It's a book called Has God Spoken? 
memorable keys to the Bible's divine inspiration. And the fourth part of that book, it's divided into four parts, the fourth part of that book is a primer, is a way of teaching you how to read the Bible. So when you come to the Bible, you know how to go about reading it. Does that help? Yes, it does. Thank you. I'm just trying to take this all in and write it down. (laughs) Um, I've been listening for you for about a month, and I really, really enjoy listening to your program. And I thank you so much for this. You're welcome. And you hang on, and our folks can pick up the phone and talk to you further about how you can get those resources. I want to mention, in light of Susan's question, C.S. Lewis and the Screwtape Letters, where Uncle Screwtape is displeased with Wormwood because his patient has become a Christian. However, says Screwtape, there's no need to despair. Hundreds of these adult converts have been reclaimed after a brief sojourn in the enemy's camp and are now back with us. All the habits of the patient, both mental and bodily, are still in our favor. Of course, Screwtape knew full well that converts who failed to embrace spiritual disciplines and discipleship would likewise fail to become Christ-like. Put another way, unless and until a convert becomes a slave to righteousness, there's no need for the forces of darkness to be alarmed. Again, one more reason. I wrote a book called The Covering God's Plan to Protect You from Evil. Back to the phone lines. We'll talk to Robert next in Texas. Hi, Robert. Hi, Hank. My question is, a brother of mine gave me a DVD and a book. The DVD is called The Bema, and it is put together by uh, Pete Briscoe. Uh And the book, I believe, is written by Tim Stevenson. And I was just wondering if you had ever seen the video or uh, read the book. Yeah, this is a fictional story told from the perspective of what happens after the rapture of the church and believers experiencing Christ's Bema judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, which is described in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 10. Now, I've heard the fictional story, although I haven't read it myself, is, you know, well-written and so forth. But the problem with the story is it's based on a false premise. And that false premise is that believers are raptured out of the church and being judged, where I think a far better way of looking at this is to look at this from the respect of the Bible, or maybe the words of Jesus Christ himself, who said, do not be amazed at this, a time is coming when all who are in the graves will come out. Some will rise to live, and some will rise to be eternally condemned. And, and this is precisely what John is driving at in Revelation chapter 20, where he says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky, fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And then the last few words are, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So the point here is that when Jesus returns all, 
who are in the grace will come out. It's not as though some are judged prior and some later on know all are judged then. So again, while the story may be good, the premise on which the story is based is not. Okay, great. Thank you, Hank. You got That's it. Why I call you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for giving me a call. Back to the phone lines. We'll talk to Donna next in Columbia, Missouri. Hi, Donna. Good evening. Um, I appreciate your taking my call. I have two quick questions, and uh, I'll let you just answer them. What is apologetic when you're talking about Christians? And the second is you were talking about ministers on TV that you do not advise people to watch, and I'm wondering if you can tell me who you would advise for us to watch. Well, first of all, apologetics, the defense of the faith. As I've explained in various forums, apologetics is not only something that we use as pre-evangelism, but also something that can be useful for post-evangelism. Here's what I mean. For example, the farce of evolution, flip chart, it is equipping you to demonstrate that the creation model for origins corresponds to reality, both scripturally and scientifically. And the evolutionary hypothesis does not. That is apologetic. So if someone says, I don't believe in God, you can use your well-reasoned answer as a springboard or opportunity to share the grace and love that only Jesus Christ can bring to the human heart. But it's also post-evangelism in the sense that when swirling waves of doubt and despair threaten to submerge your faith, you can hang on to pillars or posts God created the universe, Jesus Christ is God, the Bible is divine as opposed to merely human in origin, and I don't believe that as blind faith, but rather as a result of faith in irrefutable facts. So that's the idea of apologetics, always being ready to give an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us with gentleness and with respect. As far as ministers that you can listen to, here's the key. The key is to be so familiar with the essentials of the historic Christian faith, that when a counterfeit looms on the horizon, you recognize that counterfeit instantaneously. It doesn't mean that we have to agree on secondary issues, but it does mean that we stand shoulder to shoulder when it comes to the main and the plain things of the historic Christian faith. So if a televangelist comes on the television and tells you, that Jesus Christ was not divine, or that Jesus Christ in his humanity, in the Incarnation, was no longer God. You know you're dealing with a false teacher. Or if you have someone tell you that the Second Coming has already happened, you know that you have a false teacher. If you hear someone like a Kenneth Copeland teaching on television that God is six foot two to six foot three, has a hand span about the size of his own hand span and weighs a little more than 200 pounds, you know you have a false teacher because Scripture says that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So again, the, the key is to be so familiar with truth that when a counterfeit looms on the horizon, you'll recognize it instantaneously. To that end, I did a flip chart on essential Christian doctrine, and I used the word doctrine so that you can not only understand but remember the main and plain things. Now, Scripture can have to leave it at that. We're out of time for this edition of the Bible Answer Man broadcast. Look forward to seeing you next time with more.
You've been listening to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. To listen to the broadcast on the internet, visit equip.org, where you'll also find a wealth of information and resources to equip you. To talk to a resource consultant, call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-274. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is supported by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. With over half a million copies in print, Hank Hanegraaff's Bible Answer books were born out of his many years of hosting the Bible Answer Man broadcast. He's taken his on-air answers to questions and chiseled them until only the gems emerge. Questions involving biblical interpretation, cults, science, ethics, apparent contradictions, and much more. This remarkable collection of concise answers is now even better. My goal, says Hank, is to take the complex and make it simple and memorable. Receive your copy of the complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition revised and updated as our thank you for your gift by calling 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support CRI's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit equip.org. That's equip.org. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.